Happy Friday, everyone. Happy Bastille Day. Happy Mac and Cheese Day. Happy whatever it is that you are celebrating today. And there's so much to celebrate if you take the time to do so. That, of course, was Ron Aprey and Angela De Niro. And they have a phenomenal new CD out, which we're going to talk about. They're in the wings waiting. Everyone, I believe that if everybody began their day with this CD, there would be absolutely no strife in the world. That's the absolute truth. So I have six amazing people who are making a difference in the arts, waiting in the wings today. And they, they're all standing there. I'm waving to them now. And none of them know who I'm going to bring on first. But I'm going to bring on my first guest. And there's a reason why I'm bringing him on first. I hope he's ready. And that's DJ Salisbury. Because he was scheduled to be here, two, was it uh, two, three weeks ago? Three weeks ago. And there was a screw up in timing. 
but I said, well, make it happen. And he's here today. And DJ, uh, DJ, I want to begin by asking who or what are you celebrating today? I'm celebrating the fact that I have just the best dog. <laughs> he brings me so much joy. So that's what I'm celebrating today. Uh, what kind of dog do you have? Well, I'll give him a little cameo. Oh, he's, he, he wants to play uh, fetch now. He's a Brussels Griffon. He's my fourth of this breed because I just love the breed. They've got such big personalities. See if I can give him a little cameo. Here he is. There he is. Oh, my God. Well, I have a little Maltese. Uh, you know, he's in the other room. Uh, Hi, Maltese. Yes, he's uh, Benny, uh, Benny. Uh, Bensonhurst, where we got him. Uh, he is a pandemic dog. We got him just oh. days before the pandemic hit. And thank oh. God, because he yes. got us. Yes. Thank you, you know what I mean. They give you so much joy when you may not find joy. <laughs> well, I want to talk a little bit about you and what's going on with you career-wise right now. Is there a project that you're working on? Mm. Uh that you'd like to talk about? Sure, I've got a couple. Uh, so I I'm, I'm make my living mostly as a director choreographer, but I'm also a writer. And uh, the very exciting news is in 2023, who would know, who would have thought, of two of my shows are having their albums uh, distributed. Wow. So yeah, it's really great. The uh, first I'll speak about is uh, Moonshine and Mistletoe. It's been around for some time and I'm getting a production this year. In addition to the album being released, Kevin Duda produced a beautiful album with singers in New York City. And so I we're releasing Kevin. that. Oh, Kevin's amazing. And um, it's, a, it's a sweet, warm uh, Appalachian music show. And uh, the recording is great. It's just taken a couple of years to sort of get it out there, but it's going to be out. And then interestingly, I'm having my show produced in Orlando area in November of this year. So it'll have the album and the show on stage, which is great. Fingers are crossed on everything. I want to ask you, and I hope you don't mind uh, where I'm about to go with this next question, uh, but two of our major unions, uh, the Writers Guild, mm -hmm. you mentioned you're a writer, the Writers mm -hmm. Guild of America, and now SAG-AFTRA right. have gone on strike. As an artist, um, it has gotten progressively harder and harder and harder to make a living in this business. Yes, it has. And anyone who is in this business who doesn't understand, mm -hmm. uh, would you like to give your perspective on what's going on right now and your thoughts on everything? Well, I am completely in understanding that AI is something that must be addressed specifically for actors and writers. But with actors, if they can take your image and replicate it whenever and wherever uh, they want, meaning the producers, that's problematic because that is your business, that your livelihood is your, your, your instrument is your body and your image. So I know that those things must get put into some form of protections for, there must be protections for the actor in that respect. Um, and then with the writers, I, I've long held that gain sharing, the concept, concept of gain sharing is something the theater industry really should uh, utilize. Mm -hmm. We don't tend to, but it should be true because if one person makes money, you know, the old saying, you can't make a living, but you can make a killing. Well, that really means you, producers and other people can't make a living, but producers can make a killing if a show's a hit. So why is it not true that the people that contribute to getting the show to be a hit continue to share in the gains? I'm a fan of that particular kind of way of thinking about art and how it continues to make money over time. Let everybody make money over time. That's my opinion. Well, about a year and a half ago, I had Dorothy Lyman on the show, who is a mm -hmm. brilliant actress, director. Uh, she, of course, played Naomi on Mama's Family. 
And oh, when nice. they were doing Mama's Family, uh, the show, uh, Joe Hamilton, Carol Channing's husband at the time, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Carol Burnett's husband at the time, Carol Channing's always on the right. Oh, oh, right. <laughs> uh, Carol Burnett's husband at the time uh, came in and spoke to the cast and told the cast that if they would sign uh, this agreement, they would get a huge chunk of money at that time. Uh, But she didn't have the agent or managerial uh, overhead. Look at her. And she signed away basically the rights to this and she doesn't make a dime. And the show is shown almost every single day somewhere in the country. That's right. So that means, uh, wh- however, income is uh, generated through the rep- uh, repetitions of those shows, sponsors, ad dollars, someone's making money on her work. And th- it should be true that she gets to share in that money. It doesn't mean that the producers don't get money, but everyone should be able to share in some way. That's that's the way I think well, it should we be. We all should share in that. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and God willing that uh, they're going to find a compromise that's going to work for everybody. I certainly so hope For the good of all concerned. So, Absolutely. Uh, that's and it's back to what you said, not to jump in, uh, Richard, but it is really now about making a living. And if we can't make a living, then people will do other things. It's already true after the pandemic that so many people skilled labor in technical theater, they got other jobs. They're not coming back. I hear theaters all the time saying, we can't find dressers. We can't find carpenters that know this particular craft because they took other jobs and they're not coming back. So it's tougher and tougher, like you said, to make a living in this industry. So let's try our best to make it easier. Absolutely. Well, I want to bring on our next guest. And actually, you're going to help me do that. Um, but before I do so, one of the things that I do that's so much fun that I love to do on Friday afternoons is I have, uh, because we have six guests waiting, or five other I'm guests sure. waiting in the wing, I have five, uh, six mystery questions laid out. Oh. So pull a number, one through six. I have no idea what these are because I pulled them randomly. Okay. So pull the number, one through six. Oh, me. I'm pulling a number. I'm pulling a five. And the question is, what's the best thing about yourself and what you have brought to the table in this industry? Wow, Richard. (laughs) That's a tough one. What I've brought to this. I would say, I think I would say, um, gosh, the thing that comes to mind right away is just my love of storytelling my love of storytelling that whether i'm a choreographer or a director or a writer or an actor when i was acting it's about telling stories that lift people up um and that's that's what i love to do and i'm grateful that i get to do it and thank god for that so bring on our next guest uh okay. number one through four it's like let's make a deal oh my gosh let's go with one uh and that is my friend david zimmerman <laughs> hello I noticed I was a floating head. So, (laughs) So, uh, you know, I have to say, David does such great work. I brought this little image up there. He recently won an award uh, through SAG-AFTRA for the work that you do on behalf of uh, those living with disabilities. And uh, he has a great, great, great uh, class that I was fortunate enough to be able to do like a master class with everyone uh, called Beat the Biz, where you bring industry professionals in to talk to these actors. So first of all, welcome, meet DJ. And I'm- Hey DJ. 
<laughs> so who or what are you celebrating today, David? The breath. <laughs> uh, just breathing today. And plus I'm flying out uh, to L.A. for four days. So it'll be a nice, you know, jump back in from mellow land to ah, Hollywood kind of thing. Oh, the land of where it's like uh, 96, uh, a chilly 97 degrees. <laughs> I know. So I, I saw a reporter this morning in Scottsdale, Arizona, and she says it's a chilly 97. Because, this was in the morning because it was going to be 116 degrees this afternoon. Can you imagine? I'm glad I'm not in Arizona. <laughs> That's horrendous. Oh, my God. It makes me so want to be going for business or pleasure? What? Uh, 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 pleasure. Pleasure. I'm, gonna, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to see the uh, Studio One Forever premiere at Outfest. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, and which has, uh, you know, stars Bruce Valanche, Rosalind Kind, Jerry Jewell, Charlotte Crosley. I well, think David, you know that I had them all on this show. I know. Uh, so uh, I am so envious that you are going. Um, did you see the interview that I did with the creative team? I didn't. I saw it was on, and then I had a. I have to rewatch it though. Well, for it's, those who don't know, tell them what Studio One was. Well, it was a gorgeous big dance club, and and the people singing and and dancing, and it, it, back in the seventies, eighties. I I don't know how long it was up, but for a long time. And Mark Saltarelli, who is yes. magic. Yeah. Um, he has he has actually filmed some of the Meet the Biz when we had guests come into the studio and he's just magnificent. So I'm so excited to see his film and it's 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 a history it's a history of um, God I'm trying to think of the the big the, the big dance place in New York. What's uh, fifty four uh, fifty four below. Uh, studio fifty four. Studio 54. Yeah, studio, but I know, I do the same thing. So it's like the Los Angeles, the Hollywood version of that, I guess. But I'm, I'll go a step further, David. Yes. Studio uh, Studio One was the precursor to uh, Studio 54, and Studio 54 was modeled on Studio One. Wow. See, I didn't even know this. See, That's I'm going to learn when I see it on Tuesday. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the premiere is tomorrow night? No, it's Tuesday at Outfest and uh we're going to go uh we're going to go, you know, all my friends will be walking the red carpet and I'll just be having fun watching and enjoying them in the limelight. Uh well, please say hello to Mark for me because oh, yeah. he is just uh, you know, interviewing him was the the greatest. And I also I want to talk to you because I had someone on the show last week um, you have been working for a long, long time uh, with actors with disabilities. Uh, this month, TCM is shining a spotlight on many of these actors. Are you aware of that? I did. I was not. And uh, so uh, there's a great book out called "But Have You Seen? Have You Read the Book?" Uh, that about how movies, you know, the original source of the book, uh, the, these movies. And the uh, wonderful woman, Christian Lopez, who wrote the book, yeah. um, 
uh, has a disability. And I told her about you and I said, you should really come into this class and she's interested. Oh, I would love to meet her. And she's been all over TCM all this this month. So uh, please check out the work that they're doing if you get a chance. So what's coming up with Meet the Biz? Well, we what's coming up? You know, I, I, I know sometime in the fall, we don't have a date yet, but Ben Vereen. <laughs> I am so excited. I'm going back. I know, right? Ah! Um, <laughs> tell him, you know, every time I see this man, he hugs me and says, I'm coming on your show, and it doesn't happen. So, Well, you know, he's, just, business. Uh, he's, he's amazing, amazing. He's gorgeous, and so is his management. And, you know, even if he never does come on the show, I don't care because he is such a love. And, um, you know, because people have, I mean, he's busy and the man's constantly working. We just had Michael Learned, who is, ah, oh. oh, it was a love fest. We had Sean Earl from Rent, uh, and he was surprised by Shanice, who was on your show. Yes, yes. Uh, and her husband. They were going to uh, Sheila E's star on the Walk of Fame. Um, and uh, also Summer Cavuccio. Uh, was here and so we we have a lot of uh, surprises coming up and we'll see you know but it's it's all about bringing people together you know uh, uh, disability non-disability we're all in this together and that's why we're striking <laughs> because we've got to make our money and right. be able to feed the family and all that and I have you know I I, I am all loving and all that, but I, I don't want AI, like DJ said, to take over our jobs. And I also want to mention, you know, before we bring on our uh, next guest, uh, that once on our show, you know, one of our Friday wrap-ups, you were here uh, with Jerry Jewell, and we also had Steve Peters on that show. Do you remember? And we just lost Steve Peters, and that uh, show was available in the archives, so go and check it out, everyone. But what a great light he was. And uh, he just gave and gave and gave. I only knew him really for one year. I knew of him for many years, but met him about a year ago. And his presence and his love was so incredible. And it's it's still with me and still with everyone whose lives he touched. Um, and I, I was at least I got to visit with him online like three weeks before he passed. Wow. Uh, for with uh, Meet the Biz. And it again, it was a love fest. And also he was telling us about we are never alone. That's right. So when we feel like, you know, we're, we're, we're nobody's here. People are on the other side. People are here. So he was, he was, I mean, an amazing man. Well, we're all interconnected. Uh, whether you think you are or not, we are. So I'm going to let you, uh, first of all, pull your mystery question, one through five. Two. And your question is, oh, I love this. Uh, just, uh, I th- maybe I think you got this question before. I don't know. But uh, describe your worst date ever. <laughs> I don't think I did. Oh, my God. My worst. I don't remember having a date. It's been that long. <laughs> but I know I have. My worst date Ever. Oh, my God. Can you come back to me? <laughs> well, while you're thinking about that, bring on our next guest, one through three. Three. 
Billy Terrell is here. Hello, Billy. How are you? Hi, Richard. How are you? I'm doing great. It's good to see you again. Can you describe your worst date ever? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me say this. She wound up becoming a Catholic nun. So (laughs) I don't think I was all that exciting. Well... I want to say something that is exciting, and that's your book, uh, The Other Side of Rock Thank and you. War. Um, Billy is, you know, has been in every aspect of the business as a stand-up comedian, uh, creating music. Uh, he's written this incredible book about what his experience was coming back after the Vietnam War uh, in a country that was very divided. Uh, so this is a book that I recommend to everybody. Um, you've been on the show a few times, Billy, and you're one of my favorite people in the business. So I'm thrilled you. that you're here. Uh, so who or what are you celebrating today, Billy? Well, <clears throat> I'm actually celebrating that Sunday, the 16th, marks the 60th year that I signed my very first contract, my very first management contract to officially enter the business. I was discovered at the Empress Motel in Asbury Park, uh, sitting in with the band, telling jokes and singing a lot of living to do by Bye Bye Birdie. And uh, I was discovered by Clay Cole, who was the Dick Clark of New York. He invited me to New York and and introduced me to Vic Catala, who at the time was uh, managing the Bill Black combo, Elvis's backup band, and Barry Sadler, the Green Beret guy. And on July 16th, 1963, uh, we signed. That was my first, uh, that was it. And it was a good contract for you. Yes, it was wonderful. Well, you know, we're we're talking about what's going on in Hollywood right now. um, And I will tell you from my own position that I have been burned in this business I have signed bad contracts. Uh, I spent seven years in litigation trying to get out of a bad contract that I signed. Um, So, you know, what is one of the experiences that you've had in the business uh, that was a difficult time for you? And what got you through it to the other side? Well, I think the most difficult, uh, but I've always kept an upbeat attitude because always in the back of my head, what kept me going was always in the back of my head that uh, that I had survived the Vietnam War and 58,479 other poor souls didn't. So I never let this get me down. Plus, I've always, and Richard, I've always enjoyed, the process was always the biggest reward for me. Just the, pro, I love the process. But my biggest downer was when I had, I wrote and produced Rio de Janeiro by Gary Chris, which is considered one of the, you know, the, the top classic disco records. And I got, I really was beaten out of, I don't know how much money, I don't even want to know how much money I was beaten out of. And it was a heartbreaker because it, it destroyed my second marriage uh, because I went in uh, mentally, it bothered me. And then Right along with that, right after that, I had produced a group called the Rhythm Makers, and I wrote a song called Soul on Your Side, uh, 
which became Disco Nights, another 5 million seller. And because of a change in the copyright law, I lost that song too. So <laughs> the, they, were, they were heartbreakers because if it hadn't happened, uh, it wouldn't have caused so much havoc in my personal life. But it never, it never, uh, you know, it never bothered me creatively. I just went on and I found different niches. And when the music changed drastically in the mid 80s, my music is, has always been more popular in all over Europe. But that's when I switched over to comedy and I made a good living as a comedian for about six, seven years. And then I came back. So. And you're still going strong. Absolutely. Well, what's, <laughs> next you, uh, what's next for you, Billy? Pardon? What's next for you? Well, interestingly, uh, I teamed up by two really very good partners. Uh, one, Marvin Siegel, who's family started QVC because I did very well at QVC putting entertainment product on there in the 90s, built a beautiful company and sold it in 2000. Uh, and a guy named Ron Perbuta, uh and uh, were hooked up with 921 Associates in New Haven. They do, they build most of the websites and the podcasts for a lot of uh, uh, serious radio people. So we're developing right now a very interesting website called IamAClassic.com. And it's going to be what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to feature a lot of anecdotes. No point trying to sell music because everybody can get it for free. But I'm going to shine a bright light on a lot of my big writer friends like Larry Weiss and uh, uh, John Madera and uh, so many writers that wrote smash records. And we're going to feature backstories, um, bringing on great studio musicians like Paul Schaefer and other people that I work with, the backstories. And we're going to shine a light on, on uh, deep catalog. Like I, like so many writers, have these wonderful songs that never saw the light of day. And we're gonna we're gonna share, uh, you know, a minute or so of those songs, and then talk about the development and talk about why they weren't A sides or why they were never picked up. And I think I think it's gonna resonate with with a generation that really is intrigued by the Brill Building and sixteen fifty. And we're gonna focus on the music from nineteen sixty to nineteen eighty five. Wow! And I think I think it's gonna work. It's going to work. It's going to work. I can feel it. So uh, pull your mystery question, one through three, and then we'll okay. bring up the guest. Uh, let's go with number one. And the question is, uh, what's the best compliment that you've ever received in this business? The very best compliment I ever received was uh, I went to Sammy Khan, who wrote most of Frank Sinatra's lyrics, biggest songs. And I was, uh, I was working with Helen Reddy. I did a Christmas album and I said to Helen, I got a great idea. And this is when the Americans, great American songbook started to take root in the nineties again. I said, Helen, I want to do a two CD package called I've heard that song before. And I want you to do all Sammy Khan songs. And I went to Sammy Khan and he loved it and he wanted to do it. And he was so excited that he went to his typewriter and he wrote me a tribute, uh, which I use on the screen in my show, 
which says, uh, for Billy Terrell, uh, here is a, a, the back, the, the score of, you know, he, he, he dedicated his uh, songbook to me. Uh, this is the, uh, the back, the score of your life. And he says, and I send it along with gratitude because you've made most of these songs sound better than they deserved. And that was just wow. absolutely marvelous. I don't, I, I can't find anything that'll top it. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Well, you're going to bring on our next guest. So uh, door number one or door number two. <laughs> Billy? Yes? Uh, you're going to bring on our next guest. Door number oh, one. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Or I'll bring on number one. And that is Nancy Edwards. Hello, Hello. Nancy has, Hi. Nancy, I can't put your book down. And Thank I want to tell you, I very rarely read fiction. <laughs> uh, because I think real life is much more exciting. But this book is so great. Um, just let me read this. The Good Old Boy, A Shady Sheriff embroiled with backwoods criminals and greedy women, reverts to acts of family betrayal. Good old family immerses the reader in some of the hidden dirty secrets of Appalachian characters, twice that Appalachia gave up today, uh, and culture, and culminates in a singularly unique legal case with surprising twist. The short fiction was inspired by certain true events. Nancy, why, I mean, why did you decide to go the route of fiction rather than telling the story as it actually happened? Well, I sat on this story for about five years. Um, first of all, I've always been a storyteller. I was in the film business. I worked in as a television commercial producer for many years. I'm in the DGA, so I'm a very sympathetic DGA member to what's going on in Hollywood. Um, but... I just love storytelling. I've always wanted to be told stories. I was put in front of a TV screen at a very early age, and I make no apologies for it. So, um, This story actually happened in my life, and it was easier for me after it ruminating in my head for five years to actually have it just come out on the page as a fiction. Um, Back in November of 2017, I took a disturbing phone call from a family member back in Appalachia saying that my intellectually disabled cousin was in dire straits. Her mother had died a year before, and her mother was a very wealthy woman. She had told everybody that she set up her daughter's life for in perpetuity, that she would be taken care of for the rest of her life. Finances were not a problem. As it turned out, uh, the sheriff of the county where they lived had filed false paperwork regarding the woman's estate. And on an appraisal form, instead of listing all of the money that she had, because she had been a millionaire, he wrote that she had $94,000 when she died. And that would be all that her daughter would ever receive as an inheritance. Um, so anyway, long story short, I kind of stepped in. I brought the, my cousin who's intellectually and developmentally disabled out West with me. She's safe now. She's living a great life. She's happy. Um, and I had to deal with some really nasty characters. So I didn't want to necessarily do a true crime story and have exposure to those horrible people. 
the more I did research on the whole area, and I know most people don't know a whole lot about Appalachia, the region, I didn't, but it spans 13 states, including parts of New York, That's right. Mississippi, 423 counties. And this county where this happened is so remote that it takes two days to get to from anywhere on the West Coast, right? Um, and when you get into these little pockets of super remote areas, everyone just kind of closes in on bad law enforcement. They protect each other. So for instance, the sheriff that I was dealing with, he also had a rapist deputy embedded in his sheriff's department. So anyway, you know, a lot of the book is made up. I, the narrative is fictionalized. The characters are fictionalized, the places, the names, all of that. But there's a lot of truth in it. And I brought a lot of truth of what happens in these little pockets of very remote areas in Appalachia into my story. Are you starting to get bites on this for either a TV series or a, a streaming series? This story lends itself so much uh, as I'm reading it. It's like you're such a brilliant writer, Nancy. Uh, and you create imagery uh, that's, you know, you take the reader right into the locations that you're writing about. Thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that. I luckily last week, it was so wonderful for me. And this was a big deal for me being a debut writer uh, that I got a great review from Kirkus Reviews, which is a very renowned, very acclaimed reviewer. Um, so I just published the book in April. I've just begun sending it around to Hollywood. Um, so we'll see what happens. Well, I'm I'm all hopeful for you. I want to bring our next two guests on because they're waiting patiently. Uh, but before we do, you get to pull your question, either one or two. Two. And your question is, in what way do you feel that your childhood was happier than other people's childhoods? Well, I had a fantastic childhood growing up in the suburbs of Baltimore. Uh, you know, in the 60s and 70s, when you could ride your bicycle on the street, we, you know, we had a group of kids that would play dodgeball and roller skate every day together. Um, you know, kids from two blocks over would come over. We had sort of the run of the neighborhood. So I, you know, I feel completely blessed that I grew up. And can I just say one thing before we move on? Because I said I would. Yes. I'm, we have a mutual friend. Mindy Fradkin of Mindy Fradkin Hats. And Mindy and I have known each other since we were teenagers. And she's also from Baltimore. And you were on uh, Princess Wow's uh, Smile Revolution a week or so ago, which is where I saw you. So I'm just delighted that we have the mutual friend. Mindy does hat happenings. And she did a hat happening at my house and then made me this beautiful hat. So I just wanted to bring that up and give a shout out to my friend Mindy Fradkin. And I, Mindy Fradkin. I love her. She has the smile revolution and no one better can create a revolution like Mindy Fradkin. Right? Yeah, she's wonderful. So we began the show uh, with some great clips of Ron <laughs> Aprea and Angela De Niro who have been waiting so patiently. Hi. <laughs> I am so thrilled. Uh, I'm sorry to keep you waiting so long. Uh, but this, th first of all, when this CD, when I got the note from Ron that this was on its way, I think it came from Ron, either Ron or, uh, yes. I never know if it's coming from Ron or Angela. So 
But when that this is on its way, Rangela, it's coming from Rangela. <laughs> because you know, uh, it seems like it, it seems like it was ages ago that the GoFundMe campaign was taking place. And uh, but congratulations, this CD is truly one of the best CDs. And you end with one of my favorite songs in the world. You Yes. And I, you know, and it's uh, The Curtain Falls. Yeah. And uh, Bobby Darren. And, you know, and I know that uh, Billy, I'm going to put that on here. Uh, But I did not look to see what songs were on here. Wow. Because I did something that we used to do. We used to put on an album and listen to it from start to finish. And that's what I did with this. And it's so beautiful and so incredible. And uh, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks. Blood, of sweat, uh, blood sweat, and tears went into that. <laughs> how, did the, how did the song selection go with this? Well, it, it's, I don't know. There were a lot of different um, paths that, that, that took us to the end of that thing. Um, yeah, different places. Some of those, some of those tunes we, we had been doing for years with, with our small group. We, we worked with a rhythm section as well as the big band. And a lot of these tunes we were we were performing and uh, were comfortable with uh, performing with a small band. And during the pandemic, I had, had a little time on my hands, and I, I decided <laughs> to uh, take some of these take some of these beautiful tunes that we, wow. we were doing and orchestrate them for the for the, for the big band, without any 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 plan. I, I it was something to keep me busy. Something I wanted to do was uh, tunes that I loved, Gershwin tunes, and you know all the classics. Um, and uh, and even the tune that I wrote, uh, dedicated to Phil Woods, I decided to to uh, put a new suit on that one as well, and, and gave yeah. it a big band arrangement. And when the pandemic was over, we uh, we got together with uh, we had a rehearsal in the city, and I just wanted to hear, wow. to hear all this stuff, and and it was what a thrill a of my life. And the musicians, I mean, every aspect of this, and it's uh, it's big band. Yeah, yeah, sixteen really- pieces, eight eight dress. Wow. Five saxophones, piano, bass, and drums. But it's not old-fashioned big band, right, Richard? It's you know we we have this uh, this continuing conversation every time we tell somebody, oh, we have a big band. They're thinking thirties, forties, fifties, and I want to pull my hair out. It's like, yeah, you know, we love that big, beautiful, full sound of a big band, but it's it's a contemporary sound. You know, it's got its roots in 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 what we love and you know, coming up from a the traditional great singers and everything, but it's got its own, you know, good chordal, contemporary chord sound, I would think, right? Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, recently, we, we had a conversation recently with a, with a friend of ours, a radio show host, and we were talking about just this, and, and uh, big bands, he was saying, yeah, 40s, 50s, and 60s. I said, wait a second. <laughs> You know, it didn't end in the 60s, you know. <laughs> Have you heard of Wynton Marsalis, you know? <laughs> So you make such beautiful music together. What's the type of music that you listen to at home? Pretty much this. I mean, you know, it's a wide range. I mean, I listen uh, to, to Ella Fitzgerald. I listen to John Coltrane, Charlie Parker, you know, all the greats. And lots of contemporary people, too. I mean, there's some, it, it'll drive you crazy. There are some amazing young and when we say young it's anybody under 50 okay so there's some amazing uh up and coming musicians that are you know we kid around we had all the, we had three legends on our album we call, you know 
but the whole band, they're, they're all, you know, future legends. They're just so amazing. They, they just give their whole life to their craft. They're practicing They're They're committed to the music and uh, yeah, you know, it's, this is why this whole AI thing gets me crazy. You know, it's going to take out all the creativity in people because if, you know, if you can't keep your individuality, what's the point of getting up in the morning and practicing and, uh, Absolutely. You know, on so many levels. And I, first of all, and DJ said something earlier and it made me think about this. And I, I heard a young kid, to me, he was a young kid, uh, talking today on the picket line. <laughs> And he was talking, he said, I do background work. <laughs> and he said, and we're the forgotten man that AI can come in and replace us. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the, these classic films that I grew up with uh, from the 50s and the 60s, and you look at a film like The Ten Commandments, for example, mm-hmm. and you see all of those extras that worked on that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kathy Garver, you know, you may, do you all know that mm-hmm. she from Family Affair was one of the small children wow. in the Ten Commandments. And uh, so thousands, I mean, of people were employed for these films. And now the same, if they were to do a remake of the Ten Commandments today, all of that would be computer generated. That's sad. That's really sad. Sad. And it, it's really sad what's happening to this industry, and I, uh, and I'm concerned. Uh, and uh, I was again watching the news the other night, and he was doing a news story in which it, we've all gotten these spam calls, and they are taking your voice mm-hmm. and replicating it, and they actually called his mother. It's terrible. And with his voice to say that he was in trouble and needed money. We have code words. No joke. My son already hipped us to this particular thing. He says, all right, we have to have a code word, a password. So, you know, it's not me. I, I can't believe it's come down to this, but you know, we'll cope because we are from generations that have learned a lot and we've managed to even learn how to use our iPhones a little bit, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and computers and stuff. And I think we'll be okay. It's just, I, I, I feel kind of sorry because it's going to be a really, really uncomfortable period for a while, but you know, what are you going to do? It, it's, it's a crazy, you know, time that we're living in, but we've mm-hmm. got to be in solidarity on this. I agree. Yeah. Each and every one of us uh, who are uh, artists and creators and speaking of which, and this is how I like to end up, uh, I like to wrap up my Fridays. Um, I look at all these questions that I've got here. Uh, no, these, uh, I read a lot of books. I read a lot of books on creativity. Uh, so I've just pulled some random uh, questions on pre- creativity and just positivity. And uh, let's just have a little fun with each other. And I'm going to start with you, DJ. And the question is, um, uh, what was the worst date that you ever had? No, that's not it. <laughs> no, no, we don't have the time. No. <laughs> go on. Angela, I didn't ask you your mystery question. Uh, uh, what about Ronnie? Okay. <laughs> he's going to get he's going to get over. So Angela, I'm going to let you pick one or um. two. Okay, and your mystery question is uh, 
What was the worst haircut that you've ever had? Oh my God, I think the last one. No, I'm <laughs> You, no, look I, you look great. I'll tell you, I was 16 years old. I had hair down my back and I was uh, doing the part uh, in the Fantastics. I don't remember the, the lead part. Oh my gosh. Anyway, the lead role in the Fantastics. Louisa. Thank you, Louisa. Okay, and she's supposed to have long streaming hair as per the songs that she was singing and everything. I go to the uh, hairstylist and he says, let's, let's do something fun today. Right there. I had to have a little pixie haircut for my for my role as Louisa in Fantastics. I, I thought my high school director was going to kill me, but you know, what can you do? Worst haircut. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I, it gives me a chance to do a shameless plug here. Okay. On Sunday afternoon at three o'clock, Tom Jones is my guest on the show. They have they're doing a revival of the Fantastics. Do you know about this, Angela? No, no, I don't. And uh, Louisa is now Louis, and the two dads are two mothers. And Tom Jones has rewritten this for, it, it's a gay version of the Fantastics. And Tom oh, Jones has his stamp on it. So oh, really wonderful. So Ron, by process of elimination, you get the last question. I want Billy's question. <laughs> and the question is, well, it's actually a statement. It says, get something off your chest in a loving way. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, God. Um, I can get something off my chest. I'm, I'm not sure it's going to be in a loving way. Uh, uh, you know, we're dealing with free music. You know, uh, this this problems in in, in, in all the act, all all artists are, are, are scuffling right now, but uh, we're inundated with free music. Um, it's it's almost like uh, people people I I, I think uh, are are feeling like music is supposed to be free for this mm-hmm. because uh, um, I mean you, you can sit on YouTube all day long and hear the the best artists and and and, and be entertained totally for free, uh, and so so CDs now of, of course are, are are off the market. No one no one buys. So I, I, that my gripe is 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 the uh, in being inundated with free music, and uh, I think people spoil. It's almost like if if uh, if you can get a house for free, why would you buy one? Yeah. You know? And this is what's going this is what's going on, and and the and the business is just. Uh, I have a lot of gripes. That's that's my biggest right now. But that was pretty well, lovely. That was a- <laughs> I, I am totally with you. So now, DJ, getting back to you, and I want to read, you know, you mentioned this musical, Whisper Darkly, yes. um, and you can tell us a little bit about that. Uh, sure. It's a, an immersive electro swing uh, musical. My composer collaborator is uh, Andrew Gerla, brilliant man. And uh, we're talking to London right now about a venue that's there that uh, was the house, uh, housed Peaky Blinders, the most immersive experience Peaky Blinders. It's, it used to be a horse hospital. So we're very excited about that prospect. And the album is being released uh, in October. Uh, that's wonderful. And I want to recommend a, um, a great documentary that I saw last night about uh, George Michael and uh, Wham. Have oh. you seen it? No, I saw it advertised on Netflix. Uh, it, it's a great, great film, and you really get the sense of watching the rise of an artist in this business. Their rise, the fame of Wham, was four years. Just imagine that, just a four-year period. And I recently had 
uh, Scott Shea on the show, who's written a book about the mamas and papas. The entire arc of the mamas and papas, three years. Wow. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. So, DJ, the question that I'm going to ask you is, how would others describe your values? How would others just describe my values? Uh, I think they would hold me as someone who really values honesty. Um, they would also, I'm told this all the time as a director, I'm told I'm the most patient director people have had because I get process. I get that it takes people uh, time to get a character into the skin. And also each individual learns at their own pace. So I am very patient. Uh, so those are the two big ones, honesty and patience. And those are two great ones to have. Um, David, what small step can you take today that will put you on the path to something wonderful when it comes to your creativity? Uh, make a phone call to a friend who um, is creative and wonderful. And um, yeah, I, 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 uh, somebody who I haven't talked to in a long time, who I've been thinking about, who I said to myself, make that call. So I've got to make that call. Well, you know my closing comments, so you're uh, a step ahead of me. So that's good. Uh, Nancy, uh, what words describe what is important to you when it comes to the business that you're in? Well, I just wrote my debut novel, and I spent many decades in the film industry. So, you know, I, I, um, I, I think I'm going to apply the same thing to writing that I did when I was producing television commercials and writing and directing my documentary. Um, you know, just let let the impulses come as they come. Um, you can't force anything. And I think when you're in a business long enough, you realize that. And I would go to bed some days with the most horrible problems to figure out on a shoot and then wake up the next morning with the answer. Um, so I'm gonna do the same thing with writing. I'm gonna just, you know, let it flow, not stress out about it and just see what creatively comes through me. That's wonderful. Um, Angela, uh, if you repeated today for 100 days, yeah. would your life be better or worse? Say that one more time. I'm sorry, Richard, if, if I want to repeat today for 100 days, would your life be better or worse? I think it would be pretty good. That's good. Yeah, it'd be fun. I, I did a lot of things I love to do today. And, uh, as long as I've got my family and uh, and music in the day, I'm a pretty content person. So it's, it's yeah, it would be a good thing. That's the answer I'd love to hear. Um, Ron and uh, Angela's gonna hold you accountable to this. Uh -oh. um, do you make New Year's resolutions? And if so, have you been able to maintain your New Year's resolutions this year? Actually, yeah. Uh, this is one of the few years where I was, I was definitely able to um, maintain my new year's resolution and um uh, you know uh, it had to do with producing this this album that we just released that was my goal and uh and uh, and it and it worked out and it was a lot of a lot of uh, bumps and a lot of a lot of bruises too but um but it worked out and uh, yeah I, I would say yeah richard he does everything he says he's going to do anytime he says something it's like it's in stone it, it's one of the Traits I greatly admire about him. That's wonderful. Well, that's it should be. 
Um, Billy, I'd like you to name three people that you truly admire in this business and why. Billy? Can you hear me? Billy? I, I don't think he can hear me. Um, I do want to let everyone know I have a couple of copies of this book that I'm going to give away. And in order to win the copy, you all you need to do is comment with hashtag bravery. I picked the word bravery today because I think it's very brave that a lot of artists now are standing up for what they believe in. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I was thinking about this and uh, as I was putting today's show together. And I'd like each of you, while we're waiting for people to comment with the word hashtag bravery, um, it's a great book. You're going to all love getting a copy of it, those of you who enter. Um, DJ, what do you think is the bravest thing that you've ever done in this business and why? Wow, the bravest thing I've ever done in the business? Um, it sort of comes back to what uh, Angela was saying about Ron. I, I like to consider that I'm a person of integrity, that when I say I'll do something, I do it. So even in college, I wrote a musical and then the, the school chose to present that musical just because I said, I'm going to do it. So that is important to me. That's good. Uh, David, same question. Um, repeat it one more time. What do you think is the bravest thing that you've done in this business and why? You know, I think it's in the business and in life. I got to Hollywood and the first thing I said to myself is remain true to yourself, remain true to yourself to the core uh, and, and be thyself. And that's what I've been through uh, throughout um, what I do. And it, um, it just, it, it gives me joy and it keeps me centered. So Nancy, I'm going to ask you the same question, but before I get there, I have another question that I have to ask you. Yeah. Can you explain the combination of beer and apple juice? Oh, absolutely. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> I worked for so many years shooting food commercials and beer commercials. Um, so everyone is like, what's going on behind the scenes? Why does my food look so great on the TV screen, but not when I buy it at Burger King? So I know all the little secrets, and here's the one secret about beer commercials. When you see beer pouring out of a vessel, it isn't beer. It's apple juice. So people are always asking me about that. And one of my one of my little secrets that I don't mind sharing. Well, we've got to do a whole other show about that. I, I want to have you back. We've got to do this again. Well, so, actually, my, my next book is called Beer Pour. So if you want to talk about it, so we to talk to you about it. So same question. What do you think is the bravest thing that you've ever done in this business and why? Well, yeah, well, the bravest thing I ever did was like leaving Maryland after two years of college at University of Maryland to the horror of my parents to actually move to Los Angeles to pursue film industry career. So even though I'm not in the film industry anymore, I'm attempting to be a writer that is still, you know, film industry is still my love and, you know, I consider it my career. So that would be the bravest thing I ever did to actually leave home and try to pursue a dream. Good for you. That's wonderful. Uh, I left home when I was 18 years old 
uh, to pursue my career. And uh, I uh, and I will put this little shameless plug in. I have a new show, and I'm going to be in Provincetown on August 5th. So anybody, if you can be anywhere in the area, come and celebrate. And August 5th is actually the 44th anniversary of my arriving in New York City, 44 years to the day, uh, at the age of 18. You got to bring it to Los Angeles and San Francisco. I'm ready. Call your favorite venue and request me, and I'm there. Uh, Angela, same question. What is the bravest thing that you feel that you've done in this business? Can't he answer <laughs> Bravest? I, I think just getting up on the stage for the very first time and audition. No, auditioning for a big band was totally auditioning for anything every yes. single time. That, that's always scary as anything. And yet when you're done, you feel like amazing. So that's a good for me anyway. Ron, same question. I think, um, I think probably scariest um happening for me was was getting on the bandstand with with, with uh, louis armstrong <laughs> yeah that's that's i was with lionel hampton's band and uh it wasn't a big band it was only three horns and we were playing a gig on long island and uh, louis armstrong was in the audience with his family and of course hamp invited them up to play and it scared the daylights out uh but yeah i was i was petrified louis armstrong my goodness you know well, can I say something? Louis Armstrong was on stage with you. Well, <laughs> I got to tell you, uh, 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 it, was, it, was, it was, you know, the funny part, though, is that the thrill after, after the yeah. fear is, is so great. That's you know? it. I, I know. It's you know, amazing. That that I, was, I was floating for weeks. <laughs> now, mm -hmm. Billy, you went through the Vietnam War, but in the business, what is the bravest thing that you've ever done? Well, in my opinion, I was I was very very inspired by Frankie Avalon in the late fifties, and I loved the record Venus. I, I had I, I had an actual I felt like I had a spiritual connection to Avalon for some reason, and I felt it even in school. And in nineteen seventy five, a record company that I had been making some records for me and said that uh, some friends of theirs wanted to help Frankie Avalon, what do I think? And I said, sign him. And they, did, they thought that I would say, what are we going to do with Frankie Avalon? Come on. And I said, and uh, Freddie, uh, Freddie said, what are you going to do? I said, well, bring him in for a meeting and I'll tell you. So anyway, I'm very, the most gratification that I felt was that they didn't want to touch the song Venus, but I convinced them to give me a chance because the disco thing was coming in. And I was one of the pioneers of disco. You can read that anywhere in the world. And I said, Frankie, I think the only shot we have is if we take Venus and I, I have the arrangement in my head. We can do this new version and I think it's going to work. Once I cut the track, he loved it. A week after we released it, it was on the charts. Within a couple of weeks, it was number one. And that, and he had so much exposure. All in one week, he did Merv Griffin, Dinah Shore, Mike Douglas, Midnight Special, American Bandstand, and Sonny and Cher. And that inspired Alan Carr to call him up and, and invite him to be in the movie Grease. And uh, he credits me with getting him into the movie Grease. <laughs> 
So that is just a marvelous. Mm -hmm. I, I can't top it. <laughs> no, no, but uh, you will. You're going to top other things. Um, I want to thank you all. You all <laughs> inspire me so much. Uh, I hope you all had as much fun today as I have. Um, don't go anywhere for Absolutely. a moment because I'm going to give each of you a chance to have your final word today. It could be about anything that we spoke about that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message that you want to leave everyone with. Uh, I talk often about this. Um, when I was uh, 13 years old, I was reading this book, The Magic of Believing by Claude M. Bristol. And in the book, it says, set your mind on a goal like a homing pigeon and go after it with dogged mm -hmm. determination. Uh, I was 13, it was August 5th, 1974. And I closed the book and I went and I said to my mom and dad, five years from today, I'm going to New York. And of course they looked at me like I was speaking in a foreign language or speaking in tongues. Uh, as I say in my show, that's something they do a lot of in South Carolina. Uh, it could have been anything, but I did it. And the bravest thing that any of us can do is take that first step. Mm. And once you walk through that door, I mean, I, you know, I, I was thinking about this, uh, next month in just 22 days, it will be 44 years ago that I arrived in New York. I am convinced that I don't have 44 more years ahead of me. It would be nice if I did, but I don't. So it's important that we take each day and we live it to the fullest, being as brave as we can be. And, you know, and, you know, we're all in this together, but most people, and I do believe most people want us to succeed. So it's the hard, the hardest thing is pushing aside those thoughts of what we think other people are thinking mm -hmm. about the decisions that we make. Um, David has already said this, but I end every show by telling all of my guests uh, and our audiences to reach out to someone that you have not spoken to in a while. Pick up the phone. I want all of you to do this tonight. Go to your Facebook friends list and pull up the first name that pops up and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And letting that person know that they have made a difference in your life. And if you do that, trust me, you're going to make a difference in their life. And then let's keep this as a movement that goes on and on and on. I have a dear friend, he says, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different size boats. And I always say, I don't care what size boat you're on, as long as you have a skipper by your side. And I'm gonna turn it over to you, Nancy. And when you finish, you will pick the next person and so on and so on. And when the last person is standing, don't worry, as soon as you say so long, uh, the final credits will roll. I love you all and thank you for being here. And David, you and I owe each other a phone call soon. Let's talk soon, okay? Uh, Nancy, it's all yours. Great, thank you. I just wanted to thank you so much, Richard, for having me on and promoting my book. Uh, it's been a pleasure meeting everyone today and I look forward to seeing all of you again. Happy 
uh, weekend, and I personally love the natural world. That's what I'm going to do this weekend, even though it's going to be 112 degrees where I live. I'm going to enjoy the cooler moments and enjoy the hummingbirds around me and all of the natural world that I see. So may you all have that kind of peace. Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry, DJ. <laughs> Thanks, Nancy. And likewise, I'm very grateful, Richard, to be here and uh, just to commune with uh, kindred spirits. Uh, what I want to leave people with today is what uh, it's a, a borrowing from a quote by a newspaper man that what I think the theater does and most art, we comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And it's a very important thing that we do in the world. Uh, and I'll go to uh, Billy. <laughs> I think Billy's mic might be on. Yeah, I think so too. Billy, hi. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm here. My oh. uh, my computer keeps kicking you off. I have to, uh, <laughs> back, but I'm back. Oh, good. Well, you get to say anything you want to say for 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 the closing. Well, uh, you know, a lot of talk about AI and uh, and all of the, uh, uh, you know really hampering creativity and, and it, it's troubling for me but I think that uh, I, I think that uh, we, we need to somehow encourage the generation coming along that music and the arts and the content that will resonate and create memories going forward comes from the heart and uh, a computer is not going to be able to do that. We've got to, we've got to put the human element back in it somehow. And, and I think higher education can help. Uh, I lectured at Temple University a couple of years. I created a program called pop songwriting and it was very, very popular because I lectured those students on practical things to do. And a lot of good came out of it. A few of them wound up on Broadway. A couple of them wrote me letters and they had had platinum records. And they said that all the money the their parents spent on the education, the only thing they were able to apply in their lives is what I told them. So I think we need more Billy Terrells who have lived through this from the classic days to encourage these young people to start thinking you know, more from the heart as opposed from the computer. That's beautiful. Well, you get to choose somebody who's next. <laughs> oh, I do. Okay. <laughs> My computer's been bouncing around, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say Ron and Angela. Okay, it's just Angela though, because Ron left. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I <laughs> Uh, anyway, I guess that the, the thing I want to tell everybody the most is that I have a really strong belief in, in, in people's hearts and their minds. And I, you know, this whole thing with AI, it's scary. Sure. Lots of things are scary, but I, I used to teach kids and they were always telling me that the world was going to end at the end of the Mayan calendar. And I said, I don't think so, you know, because <laughs> having, being older and having that experience, you've seen everybody predict bad things all the time. And you know, pieces of them happen, sure, but I think that we're really, uh, for the most part, 
strong people intellectually and most most importantly we have hearts and i think it's going to get us through so we're just going to have to stick together and we'll ride every storm out i'm sure that we will david up to you <laughs> thank you angela um what a great show today I, I it's to me coming on here richard thank you because it's 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 sort of like a healing and sometimes you're not all there or sometimes you're really there and but you help ease and and talk bring back to heart what angela said and what and several people said today um to have that heart and come from the heart and create from the heart um that is what is so important and and to keep going with the creativity one thing i do want to end on was to answer that question that i never did was the worst date ever and I have to say, I don't, I don't think of it that way. I don't remember a worse date. Luckily, my mind is set in a positive mode most of the time. And I remember, I remember the positive and good things. So that is one thing that I, I take with me every day to look at the positive and think about yes and rather than but. <laughs> you know, so I'm wishing everybody love and happiness and coming from the heart and everybody going out there and spending this weekend and taking a moment to create something from your heart. Thank you so much.